one of the things that I realized is that as a society, we do a really poor job in failing well. And, and I think this is important, and, and I hope a lot of our listeners take this to heart, not only for ourselves, but for our children. We need to teach our children, and we need to practice failing well. We are going to fail. It is going to happen. But you can develop a set of coping skills and uh, mechanisms that are healthy to help you move forward, um, to, to excel beyond the failure. People ought to say, do you fail forward or do you fail backwards? But you have to practice developing those coping skills. And I learned a lot of these things uh, as an instructor and then as a, uh, a risk manager in that environment. And so a lot of this really translates very well because as a counterintelligence professional, uh, I did risk management for the commander. And when we're talking about planning, when we're talking about insurance at its core, it's a risk management piece. But when you manage risk well for the commander, it frees everybody up to go forward and accomplish the mission more effectively. And it's really not dissimilar when you're looking at a family or a business. If you can manage your risk well, it frees you up to be your number one asset. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Welcome back to the Better Wealth Podcast. And this episode is really special because we are going to welcome Jeremy Rudhouse to the Better Wealth family. We're going to be, you're going to be hearing his story, which is super insane and amazing. Hearing his heart, hearing his philosophy. And you're going to know real quick, real quick, why I'm so excited to have someone like Jeremy running our Better Wealth coaching program and just a part of the team and just beyond beyond blessed so as a company we are growing and we needed to have someone um, run our department as it relates to serving people and helping them uh, take back control over their wealth and it was one of the things that i was doing early on and truly love working with people and their money Um, but it's just it's becoming more and more challenging as we're growing to do everything. And and so we've been really on the lookout for the last year on who is that person and how can we get them not only to believe in what we're doing at Better Wealth, but this person's got to be really, really special. And I met Jeremy over three years ago. He's always made an impression on my life. And I just made the assumption that there's no way in the world he would, you know, come on board because he was doing some amazing things and doing something just where, with his family and work. And, um, but it just got to the point where I approached him and just shared with him what was going on and through conversations and, and prayer. Um, we've come to the conclusion that we can be better together, stronger together, impact more people together. And so Jeremy's coming on board. And so this episode, you're going to hear his story. And, and so without further ado, I'm going to stop talking. You can hear our full episode. And then I want to encourage you to reach out to him and welcome him to the Better Wealth team. And if you're new, joining um, Better Wealth, just know that you are going to be well taken care of because um, someone on our team, whether it's Jeremy, whether it's someone, another Better Wealth coach, or whether it's myself, is going to be led by just an extremely amazing individual. So without further ado, here's Jeremy. Jeremy, welcome to Better Wealth, Denver, Colorado. Hey, thanks for having me, Caleb. I am very excited to be here. This this episode is really special to me because not only do I get to interview a really dear friend, someone that is going to make an incredible episode and show, but dude, like you're a part of the team now. 
I made it like 30 seconds in before I got emotional. Uh, and we are going to be able to serve so many more people with your help. And you're, and just, and it's going to be so much more impactful when people hear your story. But man, like it is so special to be here in the flesh, spending a couple days with you and training and seeing you come alive. And I'm telling you guys, you are in for a treat because Jeremy's going to show up in a powerful way and help us really truly impact as many people as possible. And so this is going to really be a popular episode for two reasons. Number one is you're an amazing speaker and there's going to be so many gold nuggets, but, but also people are going to be like, Jeremy, who's Jeremy? <laughs> who's this guy that's going to be helping me with money? Where do, where do you come from? And so why don't we, with that, uh, why don't you just break down your backstory? And, and by the way, just give you some context. I told Jeremy to tell, tell someone on our team, his backstory. And an hour and a half later I came by and they're still talking. So, so we're going to, not do an hour and a half, but but I think it's important and valuable for people to understand who you are before we start talking about the where we're going as a company and why you're so excited to be on on our team. But like, who's who's Jeremy, man? Oh well, Caleb, thank you for for having me uh, in in a number of different ways as part of the team and also um, here right now to do this interview. So who am I? I'm I'm first of all. Uh, uh, a man of God, um, and that's something that I work on on a daily basis. Um, second, I am husband to my amazing wife Laura, and then I have uh, four amazing kids. Uh, my oldest is twenty and in the Coast Guard, and then nineteen, twelve, and ten, and they are many, many of the main reasons that I want to thrive here with better wealth and will in fact thrive here with better wealth. So, um, yeah, they're, they're a big part of my why. Uh, Let's see here. I grew up (laughs) as a, as an Amway kid, which, uh, made me a reader oddly enough. Um, there were some very positive things that I took from growing up in that environment and, and became pretty entrepreneurial with regards to my thinking, maybe not always my actions, but with my thinking. Um, I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad the year that it came out when I was in, I want to say like maybe eighth or ninth grade, something like that. And so my mindset on the world really, because that's what we're talking about, how we view, um, not just the economy or the marketplace or our families, but our whole worldview and how all that works together has been dramatically changed because I've been a reader for a long time. And um, I also took one other main thing from there and that's, I saw the power of what it meant to be, to be capable and not just capable, but really good at being able to articulate a message in public. We, we heard earlier today, as a matter of fact, that uh, people are scared of two things <laughs> in life. Uh, one, public speaking, and then apparently when you become 65, you become scared of running out of money. I don't know. Apparently, but, that's uh, a thing, yeah. Public speaking apparently is a big deal, and that's something that I, in fact, really enjoy. Um, and I would place that back to that time. Um, I've asked myself the question, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do in life? Where have you called me? And after high school, I spent some time working with middle schoolers at a church. Um, and I also, uh, helped to run a restaurant, which is a very good experience. And after that, 
with the help of my family, I, uh, I did a semester at the National Outdoor Leadership School, which was a, a blast. And I learned a ton about myself and continued to develop out this idea of being a leader um, and and what that meant in my life. So from there, one of the things you do is spend three days on a cliff all by yourself. And so in that time that I was on a cliff all by myself, I really... I really felt led that I needed to look at the military for some reason. And so through an interesting chain of events, I ended up in the Marine Corps recruiting office. And um, in January of 2002, I enlisted in the Marine Corps and I stayed there until June of 2015 for the most part. Um, Along the way, I got issued my wife and uh, two kids to begin with. we, we have a really awesome story about how we met and uh, how we fell in love. And she had two kids, my oldest two, who I later adopted. And then uh, in that time, we had two more and uh, some dogs and other things like that. But uh, yeah, I really wanted to be around my family and I wanted to not be away from them. We spent a lot of time away uh, overseas and at various other things. And so we made the decision to um, leave active duty and I worked for the federal government, which was an interesting experience for me. And it highlighted that I had a little bit more ambition to produce and to do things in life. And so as a result of that, I got into the financial world and really started to, to learn about currency and money and debt and the banking system and how all of those things work together. And... Um, kind of renewed my entrepreneurial spirit, um, my, my, my fervor for reading, and eventually ended up meeting you and uh, Dan through a series of events, and uh, we've been connected now for, I think, almost three years. <laughs> it is crazy to think that it's been three years. Um, I think the most powerful thing for me was I was on the phone with somebody who who does life insurance and I made the I made the statement that literally everyone want, should want this. Not um not needs it. Everybody does in fact need it and we can make a great case for that, but um everybody should want this because they should want to love their family in such a way that they bless them with that level of security um, from an economic perspective. And if you can kind of wrap your head around the magnanimity of being able to care for future generations of, of root houses uh, or of Williams or of Smiths or, or whatever your last name is, it, it really changes the attitude of why you do what you do. Um, we have a very short-term view of life. And we need to have a very long-term view because what we do now really does echo into eternity. And and we can leave a legacy through education and through changing of the mind um, of our children. And so that's part of the reason that I'm excited to be here is because that's what we're doing is we're talking about changing the mind more so than when we're talking about a product or anything like that. Let's go back to when you were a Marine Corps. Okay. And what did you do as you served this country and why does that make you so unique in today? Because, I mean, come on, man. Like, this is, this is a really we – could, we could spend a whole hour talking about the stories, which we don't need to talk about. But your, what you did in the Marine Corps and how you served our country and how it, uh, how it translates into d- today, pretty, it's pretty nuts. So, I, I do have some unique experiences. Um, I started off my career in um, the security forces and infantry kind of area. Um, 
I, I got a, a TSSCI clearance very young in my career. Um, and I worked out at White House Communications Agency, um, pretty much as a glorified security guard. But I learned a lot about small unit tactics and working as teams and uh, what it means to rely on somebody. Um, and that was hugely valuable. And, and I really enjoyed it. I got a chance to meet um, George W. Uh, in, in the Oval Office, as a matter of fact, which was a blast. And then from there, I went to 3rd Battalion, 6 Marines, and I did a, I did a combat deployment in Iraq um, in 05 and 06. And uh, I was an infantry squad leader. And so again, I was immersed in this idea of leadership and followership and what it means to have a mission outside of your yourself. And I remember very clearly my prayer in that first deployment was, you know, Lord, I really... I don't want to lose anybody and I don't want to have anybody injured um, while they're in my charge. And I'm, I'm very thankful and appreciative to say that while, while Marines were in my charge, they weren't injured and uh, they weren't killed. So, um, and that's not, that's not my doing. And we can talk about <laughs> numerous stories where I had no control over that. Wow. Um, but that was my prayer going into that. And then from there, I entered into the uh, counterintelligence and human intelligence uh, world, which is an interesting world. And uh, I, I had the opportunity to work with some pretty amazing people um, across the planet, um, had some amazing experiences, uh, learning about what it means to um, have some fairly intense conversations with people, um, and also a lot of psychology, quite frankly, about how we... Um, how we are wired as humans and how uh, we can be easily manipulated. Um, we can, we can talk about a lot of different um, techniques and ways that you can get people to do what it is that you want them to do. And uh, I was pretty decent at that um, and had some, like I said, some good experiences. But the thing that I really enjoyed the most was my last tour was as a survival uh, evasion resistance and escape instructor. And that's where, um, when I was working at, it's called SEER, when I was working there, I also had the opportunity to uh, finish my bachelor's degree in social psychology. And part of the training that we do um, in resistance training has to do uh, with be it's very experiential, hands-on, if you will. Uh, and some of you that are listening will, will probably resonate with the hands-on nature of what we do uh, in resistance training. But it is, it is the most amazing mental chess game that I have ever played and to really understand how how a group thinks or how an individual thinks under intense stress. Uh, there's a number of studies that have been done and, and SEER ranks among the top four things in, in existence that cause stress. And um, I, I, I really enjoyed that environment. It was very rewarding um, teaching people about how they respond under stress and why they respond under stress and getting them to learn um, how to use the, the techniques and things that we were teaching them to survive those situations. And one of the things that I realized is that as a society, we do a really poor job in failing well. And, and I think this is important and, and I hope a lot of our listeners take this to heart not only for ourselves, but for our children. We need to teach our children and we need to practice failing well. We are going to fail. It is going to happen. But you can develop a set of coping skills and uh, 
mechanisms that are healthy to help you move forward, um, to, to excel beyond the failure. People ought to say, do you fail forward or do you fail backwards? But you have to practice developing those coping skills. And I learned a lot of these things uh, as an instructor and then as a, uh, a risk manager in that environment. And so a lot of this really translates very well because as a counterintelligence professional, uh, I did risk management for the commander. And when we're talking about planning, when we're talking about insurance at its core, it's a risk management piece. But when you manage risk well for the commander, it frees everybody up to go forward and accomplish the mission more effectively. And it's really not dissimilar when you're looking at a family or a business. If you can manage your risk well, it frees you up to be your number one asset. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Was it was it hard leaving? I know you wanted to be with your family, but d- did a part of you die when you had to leave the military, the Marines? Um, no. I think some people place their identity in an organization, and I don't believe that's a great thing to do. Um I view the military as a as an amplifier. It can take who you are, good or bad, and it will amplify it in a lot of ways. And for me, I think that it amplified a lot of really good qualities. It introduced me and, and quite frankly, took some innocence away from me in a lot of ways. But uh, now looking back, I have a lot more, I can be a lot more empathetic than I was previously because it broadened my experiences. Right. And that is that is something that that is is in your characters. You're extremely empathetic, and yet you're a no nonsense. Let's get to work and <laughs> make things happen, which I think is really amazing. So let's fast forward to I, I know our theories when it comes to money is very similar, and let's talk. And you referenced it already about when proper planning, proper risk management frees the person up or the entity up to really be who who they can be. And one of our phrases at Better Wealth is like, become your number one asset. Why don't you unpack that? Because that is a big, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a lot. And, and even, I mean, even in the past, I mean, we've, you, you, this is a big part of your presentation. So why don't you unpack what that means to you and how you explain that to someone? Uh, because I think that's the core of what we're doing here at Better Wealth. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question. And, and one of the main psychological switches that really needs to be flipped. Um, I think the paradigm that we see a lot in society, when, when you ask somebody, what's, what's your number one asset? What does that look like? They, they think immediately of things like homes or 401k or the gold that they have stuffed in the mattress or guns if you're from that part of the world, right? I, I mean, there's various things. But, but really, maybe the best way to unpack that is to ask yourself, you know, for me, um, if would I be married to the woman that I married to if if I was not who I am? Well, no, I probably wouldn't. Am I able to afford a house if I don't do what it is that I do? Um, and if you really start to go back and you unpack that, you realize that everything that you have or everything that you have administration over is a derivative of you and what you've been able to bring to the marketplace, um, produce, whether it's biological through your children or whether it's physical through the work that you've you've done and what you've been compensated for with it. Um, you know, I, I think I have an awesome wife and I, I think that I, I was able to get her. I mean, I am... She is an asset to me and my kids are assets to me, but without who I am, none of that comes to fruition. Garrett, who you've interviewed, does a really good job of, of kind of 
laying that out in, in some of his writings. And I like the way that he talks about how we are our number one asset. But you can say that, but once you start to believe that you're your number one asset, it changes everything. It changes everything. Because you realize that when you, when you wake up and, and, and are awesome, good things will happen. When you make that decision to view your children as an asset, to view your uh, your wife, your family, your existence as if you were bringing value to everybody around you, um, it changes something inside of you. You you whether you like what you're doing in that moment in life or not, I think you do it in a different way. And I love I love for me how taking that on board has really changed uh, my ability to thrive. Uh, in life. So we, we got introduced about three years ago through a mutual friend who helped you guys when it comes to life insurance. And before that, is it fair to say that you never looked and uh, even understood how life insurance worked? Um, I definitely did not understand how life insurance worked, but I was aware from the very get go, uh, because I, at 22 years old, I had an Insta family and, you know, I got married, um, pretty young by today's standards. And I already had two kids. I'm, I turned 38 yesterday and I have a 20 year old. That is a paradigm shift. Most people do not find themselves in that situation. And as a result, I knew that I had responsibilities to take care of that family, even if I wasn't available. And in the Marine Corps, not being available is a very real reality, so to speak. So we, uh, Laura and I had taken steps to get I mean, good term contracts, because that's the mentality that I had at that time was, and quite frankly, the funding that I had at that time. (laughs) Um, but that's how I, you know, I knew that it was important and I knew that I needed and wanted to, and then that we can talk about that too, because I think the, the need and want is a good switch that needs to be flipped as well. Um, I wanted to protect and care for the needs of my family. Should I not be there to do it myself? You, you, everybody's irreplaceable, but when you realize that you have an economic impact and you can facilitate some things through that economic impact, if you're not going to be there, if you don't want that for your family, then I don't even know that I want to be your friend, quite frankly. That, that's just a level of care that I think everybody should have. Right, right. So when you, when you met with our mutual friend, what was like the aha moment? Because I'm telling you, my friend, you... We met for a reason because you came to Denver while I was in Denver and we met because we both sought, like, sought and wanted a better way. What was that for you and why did you go all in? Because you would, you would say you are in the place you are now financially because of what you learned. Yeah, I, um, I am becoming more of the type of person that wants to know how the watch works. But at that point in time, I just needed to know that it worked. Does it tell time? And so when, when I learned that life insurance is what it is, it's a, it allows you to have principal protected, guaranteed growth, multi-purpose use of your dollars. And if I say that to you and it doesn't kind of make you go, what? Uh, again, maybe we shouldn't be close friends. But my point is, is that when I saw how valuable that tool was, um, and again, it's a tool. It's not, it's not the thing right? It is a tool that can be leveraged so effectively because as you say so eloquently, it is the and asset. I mean, it's not or. You get to do all these things as a result of that. I saw it as a very freeing tool um, for, a, for a guy that was realizing this, the system is, is really interested in fleecing us. 
And what I mean by that, quite frankly, is that is a sheep more valuable, dead or alive? Well, a sheep on a regular basis will grow this stuff called wool, and then you can shear it, and it will dutifully do it again if you give it the amount of food that it needs and keep it happy, right? Sheep are not the smartest you know, creatures on the planet. They, they, they group together and they do like things. Um, but they can be fleeced very effectively, and then at the end of their life, they can be used for all sorts of things, meat, you know, whatever. And I, and I looked out at my demographic, people who had families, had kids, and I was like, man, I am being fleeced at every stage of the game. And I am never capturing the value of a dollar and watching it grow for my whole life. And I saw life insurance, when structured correctly through a mutual company, could be that long-term value, that legacy that I knew I wanted to provide for my kids, but I couldn't quite articulate. I, I was like, that's what we're doing. And, and it period end of story, that's what we're doing. And, and that has become the bedrock for my family's financial well-being, And it will become the financial bedrock for future generations of root houses, because I'm going to teach them and I'm going to bring them up and I'm going to require that they understand that they have the right mindset to leverage that tool. It's a tool. They're the number one asset. The, the life insurance is a tool that allows them to realize their full potential in a number of different ways. I love it, man. I'm I'm 100% tracking, and I'm I'm just excited because the this is the message that we're going to be able to bring to America. America, better watch out. <laughs> America and Canada. I know there's people from Canada listening to this, and it's it's extremely powerful. So let's let's unpack the need versus want because that's 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 something that I know that we want to go back to. And so how when when someone says, Jeremy, like I don't need that, or how much how much insurance do I need? Or man, like, how do you, this is like good. If you're going to talk to Jeremy and you're listening to this, you can, you can take some notes. <laughs> so, so need versus one. If, if, uh, if you ever are talking and in a conversation and, and you say, we do need something, you'll hear me say a lot. Well, need is a very strong word because <laughs> we don't need a lot of the things that we have. Right. Um, and, and people really at a psychological level will not do something a lot of times until they want it. I can make a good mathematical argument that you need many things or that you need one thing over the next. But until you want something, there's an emotional aspect to it. Will you a lot of times make a, uh, a movement to get that done? If you're not sufficiently emotionally disturbed by something a lot of times or moved by something, you won't take action to correct it, fix it, um, plug that hole in the dam, whatever you will. So life insurance for a long time has really been sold based off of a need basis. And, and you can, I can tell you right now, everybody I talk to, I can make a case that you need life insurance for one reason or another, but that's not the point. The point is, is that we want we want to inspire people. We want to educate people. We want to have that mental switch go off that says, hey, I am my number one asset. And if I am my number one asset, I better darn well protect that thing effectively, right? 100%. Man. And I yeah. better have this awesome storehouse with which I can place and use my my treasure in. See, I, I have these these four things that I believe wealth is. Wealth is the sum total of your time, your talents, your treasure, and your health. And you best be a good steward or administer of all of those things. Um, so I, I believe that the 
the really great thing is that when you go, you know what, I want this. That's really the type of folks that we want to work with. We want to work with people that have digested enough information and content where they go, you know, I want to implement the and asset in my life because I believe that I am my my greatest asset. I believe that I need to protect that effectively. I, in fact, need a storehouse. Again, you need those things. I can justify that mathematically, but I want your mind to say, I want it because then you will take action. Let's unpack what, how do you define wealth and let's unpack that because there are so many people and actually a question that I need to start asking more and more people is how they define wealth because it's so relative. And when we go back to ROR being return on result, so many people are unclear what they actually want. And part of our process that we go through is get clarity on what you actually want. And when you, you, when you shared your definition of wealth, I can just envision a lot of people being like, Oh, like go back. Like let's talk about that because it's, because it's true. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what's a number in a bank account. Nothing to do with your number one in a bank account. Define wealth and break that down for me. Um, absolutely. So um, this definition or the way of talking about wealth really came about by understanding uh, language. It, it, I try to empower my kids and teach my kids that you must increase your vocabulary because when you increase your vocabulary, you increase your ability to understand. If, if we limit our vocabulary, we really can't know as much. So um, as a result of that, when... When we in society, we say wealth, most people have an instant um, flash of a dollar sign or a gold bar or, you know, Scrooge McDuck diving into the, you know, the bank and swimming through the gold. But it's most often related to money. And I really got to thinking uh, over the course of time about what is what does wealth truly mean? Well, if it's the sum total of your time, your talents, your treasure and your health, I think we have a more holistic right view of am I wealthy? And what I mean by that is um, s- somebody can have control over their time, right? Where they're able to interact with their children, they're able to um, be with their grandkids, uh, do the things that they feel most uh, powerful in in their life, but not maybe have millions of dollars, but they're at a point where they've got control of their time. And they're in good health. Are those people not wealthy? Well, the answer is, of course, they're wealthy. They're absolutely wealthy because they're bringing the most value that they can because of the investment in the lives of the people or the business or the the objectives or initiatives that they have. And the, the time and the talents and the treasure and the health all compile. It's an amalgamation of those because if you sacrifice health, talk to somebody who sacrificed health. Do they feel wealthy? Do they believe that they're wealthy? They would say, no, I, will, I would go back and I would not work 100 hours a week. I would not smoke, drink, you know, whatever the quote unquote bad things are that we do. Or the, the inverse of that, you talk to somebody that is in great shape, let's say, but they don't have the time to spend with their family or they haven't invested in the things that are going to have that long lasting impact on society, I would, I would pose to you that they probably wouldn't say, you know, I'm wealthy. And this really came full circle for me. So time, talents, treasure, and health. This really came full circle for me one day, uh, back in the spring. No, it was early this year in 2019. I was, um, reading the word, 
Um, I was reading the Bible in the New Testament, and I came across uh, this word dispensation in the New Testament. And I looked it up in the Greek, and I, I found this word oikonomia. And oikonomia, oikonomia literally means to uh, be a manager or an administer over something that is not your own. And think about what that means. Um, you know, if, if you're a Christian, you are literally bought at a price and you are not your own anymore. Yet you have administration over your time, your talents, your treasure, and your health. That's really powerful if you think about it that way. And let's just suppose for the moment that you are your number one asset. I mean, that, I mean, let that sink in. That's really, really neat to think about that. But if we are managers or administers um, over our household, that's literally what that means, then we need to do that on a daily basis. It's got to be, I, I am an administer over my good health. I am, I am a manager of my time. I don't, I, people that say they don't have enough time um, are not managing their time effectively. Right. They're not saying no enough. Uh, we're all guilty of this. I mean, nobody's perfect, but l- let's really go back and take ownership, be an administer of something that is not our own. And see, I believe that we were put here on this planet to bring a lot of value. Every person has an amazing value that they can bring, but if they don't, if they're not a dutiful manager of themselves, administer of their time, their talents, their treasure, and their health, they can't fulfill that purpose. And again, t- to bring this back to, to what it is that we talk about with, with the correct type of life insurance, it's a tool that frees us up to realize those types of things. Do you want to just take over the podcast? You could be the new host of the Better Wealth Podcast. Well, no, because we are paid commiserate with the quality of the questions that we can ask. And you, my friend, ask very I mean, good I'm questions. Blessed. I'm so beyond blessed that we're going to be able to do work together and serve people. Now, when, when people set up meetings with you or you're sitting down and we're obviously... Uh, we have it's whiteboard heaven in in our in our place when we map things out how would you in in a few minutes describe what we do at better wealth and how we help someone become their number one asset be a good steward of their time their talents their treasures their health and and because again it's frustrating it's frustrating knowing that we're quote unquote competing with a world that is quite frankly, fleecing people and getting paid well to do it. We have a message that matters and we have a duty to show up and share powerfully and help people. So because you're going to be serving and working with many of the people that are listening to this and future people that come into better wealth, what is your approach? Because I feel like just you breaking that down is going to help help the listener really get an understanding of how they should be thinking about their life and their money. Well, I think one of the things that we are doing that is not real prevalent uh, in this space, so to speak, is we're providing opportunities for people to engage well. If you're like listening to this podcast is a great example. Some people consume information uh, by listening. And so we do this podcast. Uh, you interview a number of different people from a number of different backgrounds, and you bring um, a lot of value, whether it's building a business, whether it's, you know, talking to your mom and, 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 uh, and having her talk about the administration of, of the space that she, she ran. I mean, it was beautiful. I really enjoyed that. So we're trying to resonate with a number of different people and have them go, wow, that's really pretty cool. I'd like to know more. 
So in, engaging your curiosity, going, huh, an and asset, huh? Well, and then there is the book, The And Asset. Um, and, and books are amazing it, it, to me. Like I said, I, I grew up realizing the value of being a reader and consuming lots of information. One, I realized early on that if I could try to not do a lot of the stupid stuff that other people did, it would save me a lot of time and effort. Uh, <laughs> you and me both, my friend. I, it, what, what's the what's the quote? It's a, a smart person learns from their own mistakes. A wise person learns from others. Yeah, and so I've tried to learn from others to the best of my ability. And if you are a reader, the and asset has to be something that you add to your reading list. And again, that is a tool that allows clients to engage and really mull things over. Um, the next thing that I love that we do is we have the andasset.com, which is where you can go and it's a hub for information. You're familiar. It's one of my favorite books and I think yours as well to sell as human, right? And look, selling happens all the time. It's unfortunate that selling has such a negative connotation to it. And if I would recommend to all of your listeners, our listeners really to go read that book and realize that uh, we don't control the information. You, I mean, you can literally go out and find everything that you need to know. And I've had three conversations today with people that knew nearly everything they needed to know, um, which is great. I, I love working with, with people that are educated about the types of uh, principles and techniques and strategies that we seek to help them employ. The real magic of what we do is help people implement. Um, I am in a situation where I would probably have implemented a little bit different had I had Better Wealth Blueprint uh, as a tool in, in my journey on this. And so to everybody listening, the Better Wealth Blueprint is bar none the very best way that you can ask yourself some very quality questions to seek clarity. We, we want to start with the end in mind. You've got to understand your why. You know, in fact, don't, don't engage unless you have really determined like, why am I here? What do I want to do? What, what is out there, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now that I, that I really want to impact and affect. And then let's back plan from there. And then we get into efficiency. If we can't find, um, more efficiency in the plan that you currently have, you know, I'll eat my hat. It, it's out there. Um, <laughs> and then we talk about, about saving, and, and one of my favorite things to do is, is ask people, you know, what are you saving? And they go, oh, well, you know, I'm saving into a 401k or I'm saying, really? You're saving into a market-based something or other? That's interesting. Can't you lose all of that potentially? I mean, theoretically, saving's supposed to be safe. That's kind of the root of the word. So I joke a little bit, but we have a conversation about saving and then use. And here's the cool part. To implement the AND asset in the most optimized way that you can, you've got to deal with all of these things. You need to know where you're going. you got to understand your why. You also have to understand um, how can I be most efficient within the confines of who I am and who my family is and where I'm going. I have to have a really good savings plan at the core of what it is that I'm doing. And then I've got to work with folks that can best help me implement the and asset in my life. After working with Dan this week and you and, and Kirk, uh, unreal, unreal what we, we are able to accomplish for our clients with regards to how to tailor an and asset to totally suit your needs, be super flexible, and um, 
allow you to pursue being you know, your number one asset and add that to your toolkit as you move towards accomplishing your why. I love it, man. And and actually in the next podcast, we're going to actually break down a better wealth update. So if you're listening to this and it's, and, and just stay tuned. And, and if you're going back and listening to all the podcasts, we're going to break down actually what's going to separate better wealth from everyone else. And we're already unique. We're already special. Totally. People better watch out because <laughs> we we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna change the game for good. And it's and little did I know three years ago meeting you over a webcam for the first time that uh, we would be together, have such an amazing friendship. And I have to just say, surround yourself with people that encourage you, that pray for you. And the amount of times that I get random texts or calls. I mean, the other day you called me just to say that you loved me and encouraged me. And in a business where I mean, life is tough in general, but like our business is tricky and can be emotional. And, and man, I'm just grateful for, to have life-giving people that I get to work with. Let's, uh, let's break down the legacy question. And, and you're with your, your, the people that you love the most, your family, your kids. Hopefully I, I can make, make it in that room. And you're, you know that this is going to be like your last conversation. What, what kind of things are you breaking down for your, your wife and your kids and the people that are in that room? Well, uh, you know, I've heard this question, how many, 56 podcasts now or something like that. Um, and, and I've given it considerable thought. And um, we, we say in my house a, a number of things, and I would say them again. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And realize that everything else is a detail, man. It's a detail. And then beyond that, I would tell my, my kids, my wife, those that are closest to me, and I, even if you're not closest to me, this is what I would tell you. It's all about Christ. If to live is Christ and to die is gain, then it's the same answer. If I'm here, it's about Christ. And if I die, well, not if, but when I die, it's Christ. He's the reward. Yesterday, today, forever. It's always all about that. I would I would tell people to never never settle. Don't don't settle when when you realize that you are to be an administer over your time, your talents, your treasure, and your health. It is your duty and your responsibility as a, a man or a woman to wake up every day and and kill it. Absolutely kill it. Be one hundred percent where you are and intentional. If you're doing a podcast, give a hundred percent of you to that podcast. Nothing else matters at that point in time. And then when you shift and, and you're with your wife, be with your wife, be intentional. I would tell my sons, love, love your wives like Christ loves the church. And here's the trick with that. And because the Bible says, and gave himself up guys, Christ didn't die. He rose. That's the key point. So live every day for your wife. And I would tell my daughters, just like the church is supposed to submit to Christ, submit in love and believe that you are the best taken care of on the planet. Because when love is done well, it's a very comforting thing. Rest in that. That's contentedness, biblically speaking, I think. And then I'd hug them. And, and it, I hope it's a great big celebration, quite frankly, because that's what I'm excited for. 
that that's the reward that I'm interested in. And all of this is, is about bringing the very best that I can to the table every single day and affecting, infecting as many people as I can to really be administers over those time, talents, yeah. treasure, and health. And, and Jeremy, from knowing you these last couple of years, you're a very wealthy man. And if you know Jeremy's personal story, like that's a deeper statement because you've gone through a lot. And yet how you show up, it's it's incredible, man. And 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 to know and to reference back that that's true wealth, it's it's incredible. So thank you. Um, go, I'll I'll put in ways that they can reach out to you. I, I would love for the people that listening to this to to send you a welcome email. And um, we we have a lot of work, my friend. And I'm I'm grateful for you to jump on here and and share your story. And and I'm excited to see what the future holds. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. would love to hear your biggest takeaway. You can reach out to me at betterwealthpodcast.com um, or you can email Jeremy directly and that's Jeremy's first name at betterwealthsolutions.com. That's Jeremy at betterwealthsolutions.com. It'd mean the world to him and the world to me if you could reach out to him. Welcome to the Better Wealth family. And thank you for listening. If, if this is an episode that you enjoyed, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, every time you share the podcast or give us a rating or review, you're helping other people find that. And so from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. Go out and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.